Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. Good morning. Thank you, Glenn, for that great uh, intro and thank you for the worship band for leading us. Um, Yes, for the past few weeks, uh, we've been moving through the book of James, and we're going to be doing that into June, which is a book filled with lots of practical wisdom for the church. Uh, In the the introductory of my Bible, it says that Proverbs are, that uh, James is the Proverbs of the New Testament, Um, as there's lots of similar themes as Proverbs. Uh, How to manage your word, how to manage your words and your actions, and how to actually live it out through following Jesus. Now, we've already discussed the cultural context in which the book was written. The church was being persecuted, and many of the believers had left Jerusalem. Many of their members had been dispersed throughout Judea. And James is writing to them to give them guidance on how to live out their faith within the culture and political context uh, that they're within, and how to demonstrate their faith within the world. In week one, uh, Jonathan preached on trials and struggles, and James encourages them, uh, the believers, to remain joyful in their trials. And the testing of their faith would build perseverance and ultimately, during times of difficulty, draw near to God, and God would draw near to you. Uh, In week two, uh, we talked about authentic spirituality, which focused on a lot of uh, hearing hearing the word and actually doing it, not just kind of listening to Jesus, actually living it out. And then finally, last week, uh, Rocky gave us a great lesson on loving people without prejudice. Uh, Don't show favoritism, in particularly within the church. And while we've been studying the text, we've been focusing on uh, this theme of authenticity. And what does it look like to be an authentic leader of Jesus? We value authenticity in our culture. And when it comes to Christianity, the standard for being authentic amps up one more because we're called to be people that reflect the character of Jesus. And this theme of authenticity really fits in well to what we're going to be discussing today, the relationship between faith and works. Now, the people of Israel had been required to demonstrate that they're God's people by doing works for thousands of years, keeping their religious laws and routines, resting on the Sabbath, food laws, making atonement for sacrifices for sin. And for thousands of years, they've been waiting for God to actually show up and reveal the fullness of his divine plan. At which point, religion would stop, Going to temple would stop, food laws and sacrifices would stop. So when Jesus came, the Jews that started following Jesus and believing him to to actually be the Messiah, there was a sense within the church to lean a bit more on the faith side of the faith and word spectrum. 
where you sort of just believe you're a follower of Jesus and you'll be saved and works are no longer re required to demonstrate their faith. Now, I know we just finished a series on grace. Uh, grace is free. It's not linked to your works or what you've accomplished. And look what Paul says in Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9. He says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The key phrase in this verse is heart. When your heart believes, that belief becomes a desire. And desire always manifests itself in reality as actions. And when you have an authentic relationship with Jesus, you can't help but act out love, compassion, and grace throughout the world. So if your heart has actually been impacted by the grace demonstrated by, G by God through Jesus, then that faith should be apparent in your actions. This is why Jesus gave his disciples a towel, not a fancy parking sp space at the front of the church. Christianity is serving. You elevate other people, love people. This is how you demonstrate the grace you've received through Christ. So James starts here in this section uh, of his book, chapter 2, and lays out his main point here, that faith without action, without works, is dead. So James chapter, chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Is it any good if someone says and makes some sort of profession of faith but has no works, can that faith save him? Like if you say you believe a bunch of stuff, I believe in the Trinity, I believe, in Je I believe Jesus died, I believe this, but it doesn't actually flow out into a life that demonstrates what you believe, then do you actually believe it? If your faith doesn't produce action, wasn't even really faith to begin with. He was on to give two examples of the frailty of faith without action. The first example is what Francis Chan calls the armchair Christian. Verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and filled, filled without giving them the things for the body, what good is that? So faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Notice the brother and sister reference here. James is saying, this is a person in the church, someone you meet with, take communion with, but you don't give them any help if you have the means to do so. I have this neighbor, Let's call him Steve, because his name is Steve. And I don't know if he's watching this, but... And he always says goodbye to me, be well. And that's nice, but he doesn't really actually do anything for me to be well. You know, if I didn't eat healthy, do exercises, get a good night's rest, look after myself, I mean, there's a chance I might not be well. There is no action to my neighbor's words. I was on the beach one day with my family, 
and I was sitting in a nice comfy chair, and I was reading Ann Sun's magazine. I mean, you've heard of this magazine. It's a Christian magazine. It's filled with uh, different stories of people kind of wrestling with God, growing in their faith, um, and kind of walking with God. It's, it's essentially a Christian magazine. It's like a devotional. And so I'm sitting in my nice comfy chair reading this magazine, and my brother was there too, and he was messing around playing with his kids, and he actually lost his wedding ring. And he's asking me for help, and I was like into my magazine, just ignoring him, and you know, being all spiritual, doing a devotion essentially, and not helping him, even though he asked me to. Nope, you know, maybe I'll just pray for him, and. You know, I was actually kind of fasting because the snacks were too far away from where my chair was. Um, and, but, I mean, it ultimately worked out. He didn't eventually find it. But, like, what was I doing? Like, if you, you've got to get up and help people that are in need. I'm not saying that, you know, prayer and fasting, you know, I, I know I made a joke of it, but, and, and there are spiritual practices that help align our thinking with God's will. But the point is, it's not enough to just sit around on the beach doing devos. You have to get up and get into the water and demonstrate your faith is actually real by doing something to actually help. Something more tangible than just wishing someone well, like my neighbor. We're really good as a culture at giving advice or like saying to someone things like that are not really all that helpful, like pointing out the obvious. Um, like, why did you do that? Or that wasn't a good idea. Now, now you're now you're lacking in daily food and poorly clothed, like because of that decision. That's not helpful. In fact, it's really easy to just point out what people are doing wrong all the time. And we often as Christians do this to the culture, and even though you know, from a Christian worldview you might actually be right, but the culture doesn't know who Jesus is. So what do we expect the culture to do? And if our culture doesn't know Jesus, isn't it on us to show them who Jesus is? Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. You're called to shine as lights to a crooked generation. We are lights by living out our faith through our works and through our actions. Another thought I, I kind of pulled out in this example is the arm, of the armchair Christian is in verse 15, James is not saying that this person, you know, speaking to this uh, other person who is uh, needs food and needs help. With, it's not like they're not being kind. It's just that they're not showing any mercy. Mercy is when you show compassion or forgiveness to, and grace towards others, which means the gospel hasn't actually got a hold of them yet. Like, think about the mercy that God has shown you and me. The people James is writing to had forgotten that even while they were still sinners, God had mercy and demonstrated his love through the person and work of Jesus. And think about what Rocky talked about last week in verse 13 that just came before what we're talking about today. James says, judgment is without mercy 
to one who shows no mercy. That's a really scary verse. If you look at people around you and show them no mercy, no grace, no margin to mess up, make a mistake or wrong you, show them no mercy, God will show no mercy to you. So you need to be very careful the expectation you put on people. You've got to be challenged by that. Every judgment passage in the New Testament evaluates you based on how you actioned your faith. John 5, Romans 2, Revelation 21, Matthew 25. Matthew 25 says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. It's all about action faith. James continues in verse 18, he says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works, and I will show you my faith by my works. It's like someone is saying to James, Oh, there are different types of Christians out there. And James, well, you're more of a doer, and I'm kind of a faith person. And James is like, What are you talking about? Saying that you have faith and I have works? He's saying, go ahead and talk about your faith all day. I'm going to show you I believe by the things that I do. You're going to look at my life and say, man, there's no way he would do those things unless he actually believed that there's a God up there that loved him and delighted in him. We have this family that moved into our neighborhood a few years ago. Uh, from the Ukraine. And one of our kids um, became friends with one of their daughters. They're about the same age. And when the war broke out, um, this family had two of their nephews come and live with them. And when Brenna heard these nephews were coming to stay with them, she immediately felt called to ask this family, you know, what can I do to welcome these kids that had to leave their home, their father? He's still there. And their mom actually recently passed away from cancer. And all this pain and grief and uncertainty, and Brenna just wanted to bless them and welcome them. Got them some items for school, for when they started school. Uh, we found a bike for the, for the youngest uh, nephew. Like when you really know Jesus and are trying to align your thinking to what he would want you to do, you can't help but act out his love and compassion to the world around you. We need to be a people that doesn't just say we're followers of Jesus based on our faith. We want people to know by how we treat others around us, by our works. The second category James talks about in this passage is what I call the intellectual Christian. And if this is what your faith is built on, and you have no outlet where you can teach or support and develop other people, by using your gifts of knowledge, what good is that? Verse 19, you believe that, the God, that God is one. You do well. James, in this phrase, James is referencing Deuteronomy 6.4, which is a prayer that a devout Jew would say at the beginning and end of every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love your God. You shall love the Lord your God. And it goes on. So the people 
that James is writing to know exactly what he's talking about here. You believe that God is one. You do well. And then he says, even the demons believe that and shudder. Demons are not atheists. James is saying, if you know your faith to be true, but you don't actually act out your belief, your theology is equivalent to a demon's. In fact, if you're not doing anything to demonstrate your faith, the chances are that even a demon, a demon's theology is more apt than yours is. He knows who God is, but it doesn't save him. It doesn't save him because of their actions. Remember when Jesus healed the, the two men uh, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 and 29? He's, Jesus is walking up the hill, and the, the two demons, um, um, the two men who were possessed by these demons, one of the demons sees Jesus and says, What business do you have with us, Son of God? Have you come to torment us for our time? The demons recognize Jesus, which is interesting. They call him the Son of God. Then they say, have you come here to torment us before the appointed time? They know their theology. That's Revelation 20. So we're all familiar with the Dead Sea. Of course, it's called the Dead Sea because nothing lives in it. Why nothing lives in it? Because the water has such a high concentration of minerals salt and other minerals that the water cannot support life. So it's simultaneously rich in minerals and dead. It's full and empty. It has water, but nothing is living in it. And the reason it got that way is because there's no outlet for the water that flows in to flow out. It's got all the ingredients and the potential to support life just like a Christian who has all the spiritual knowledge in the world but can't manifest their knowledge into actions in the real world, and thus their faith is dead. In the same way, you can become a dead sea spiritually. If there's not an outlet serving the body of Christ, supporting other believers, to allow your faith to manifest itself, you're taking the risk that your faith might actually come out of you for good. You can't separate faith and works. What good is it to have that knowledge or nourishment in your mind unless it actually flows out of you to feed another body? James continues in verse 20 to give two Old Testament examples to show his readers that actions reflect what you believe. And he starts with Abraham. Verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith without works is dead, is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that work, that faith, was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Because why? He acted. It wasn't his theology, it was the fact that 
he lived out his faith. You know, the amazing part about the story of Abraham is that it shows that God acts. God provided an alternative sacrifice. Remember in Genesis 22, Isaac says to Abraham, Behold the wood and the fire. But where is the lamb for the, for the sacrifice? At this point, he doesn't know that he's the sacrifice. And Abraham is like, God will provide one. Which foreshadows what God does for us. And it's beautiful because if God only just said he loved us, but he didn't live it out through his actions, giving us Jesus, dying for us, how would you discern the grace and the love of God? This is what makes Christianity beautiful. God doesn't stay distant, right? He's not an armchair God. He's not the Bette Midler God, right? From a distance, he's fought. Like he entered in, guys, right? Verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Actions don't save you. But it means faith in actions is what a saved person looks like. You can't separate the two. One flows from the other. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works, James says, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. If you're not acting out your faith, James says, it's dead. It has no spirit. You know what's interesting here? James is referencing his great, 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 great grandma, Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab is in the genealogy of James through Joseph, and in a sense, also Jesus. And we see that in Matthew 1. And I think James uses Rahab here as an example because she's the stark opposite of Abraham. She wasn't part of God's people. I mean, look at her life. It's a mess. Of course, we don't know all of Rahab's circumstances. But God used her to fulfill his plan. God can use anybody, no matter where you are in life. You know, a lot of people say, you know, I'm too broken, I'm too sinful, God can never use me. Actually, you're just the type of person God will use. You ever hear the phrase, God writes straight with crooked lines? That's this verse. That's Rahab's story. Because she was willing to step out in faith, and her actions justified her faith, it showed it was real. Abraham and Rahab's obedience didn't make their faith real. Their works lived out through obedience just showed their faith was real. Deeds don't earn salvation. They just reflect its reality. That's what a saved person looks like. So we have a decision to make. Are we going to only talk like Jesus or be like Jesus? Are we going to just listen to the Spirit of God, or are we going to actually do what he says, even if it's hard? 
If you want just head knowledge and be a cultural Christian and just say you believe but don't actually live it out? Or are we going to allow our works and actions to back up our profession of faith? Regardless of what you decide, your actions will always reflect what you truly believe. I'm going to close with this story. I'll light the band up. So do you know who Branch Rickey is? Branch Rickey was a baseball executive, but before he became an executive, he was a coach in the baseball minor leagues in the 1930s. And during that time, he was traveling with his team, and they were staying in this hotel that wouldn't allow black players to stay with the rest of the team. Of course, during that time, there was racial segregation, and there were hotels for whites and blacks. And Branch Rickey had to sneak the black players into the hotel uh, to stay with the rest of the baseball team. And of course, there was anger and frustration and pain, and Rickey recalls one of his players talking about scratching his skin off because it felt like such a burden to him. Years later, Branch Rickey became the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers and signed Jackie Robinson to be the first black player in, the major league, in Major League Baseball. And Ed Henry, who wrote this book, 42 Faith, where I got this story from, talks about how uh, they're not really sure exactly when Branch Rickey was moved to uh, integrate baseball, but they speculate it was that experience in that hotel room. Now, Jackie did all the heavy, heavy lifting after that. Once he got into the league, he had to prove that he was a great player, better than most of the other players in the league at that time. But Branch had to act and open the door for Jackie. Did you know Branch Rickey was a Christian? And he believed that to demonstrate authentic faith in his God, he had to act. And his actions changed the world. Now, our actions as followers of Jesus may not have a major memorable impact on the world like Branch Rickey did, but each of us can certainly show Jesus wherever the corner uh, and, and the community that we're, we're living in. Well, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to share what you've laid on my heart. I pray that this message be more than just words on paper, but that you can use it to reach someone here in person or listening to not just believe, but be so moved to act and demonstrate their faith authentically in a way that shares your love and compassion and grace through our Lord Jesus to those in the church and to our community. In Jesus' name, amen.